Well, good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Good. You know, I, I, I just uh, was sitting there and I, I just reminded going through, um, I'm sure many have seen some of the images from uh, Ian, Hurricane Ian, and some of the, the damage and devastation. So I want to start our time this morning really uh, just taking a moment to pray for um, for just the families, for for everything that you know you've seen. Uh, that's what's amazing and what's wonderful about uh, having a God that we can go to. Right? We don't just have to watch these things and stand by and say, "Man, I wish I could do something." You know, sometimes we can physically do something. We can go and actually put our hands to something. But it's it's so wonderful that we can actually go to God in prayer. And so let's begin our time this morning. If if you would uh, join me as we just lift up uh, some of those needs. Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, and, and we just uh, acknowledge the fact that you are God, that you are God over all, all of creation and all of this world. And God, just as we have seen um, just some of the, the devastation caused by uh, Hurricane Ian, uh, God, we just pray that you would continue to move uh, in every situation. Uh, God, again, lives have been lost, uh, families are displaced and are in devastation or, again, um, have been affected, Lord, by a loss of a loved one. And so, God, we just pray that you'll continue, Lord, to meet them in that place. Um, and that's, again, what we love uh, about who you are is, is you meet us not just on the mountaintops, but also in the valleys and through the struggles. And so, God, we just continue to lift up um, all of them. We lift up, Lord, those that are um, responding to this situation uh, with help uh, of various sorts. God, that you would continue, Lord, to just um, uh, give them safety and strength. And God, also, we just pray for um, the local churches in this areas, Father God, that they would be used by you, Lord, to, to reach out in a very tangible and real way, Lord, to those who are hurting and suffering. And so, God, uh, we thank you that, that you uh, would hear our prayer this morning, that, that you invite us to bring these concerns and needs to your throne room. And God, we do just lay them at your feet today and just trust you with them. And we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to lift up the many people, Lord, um, being affected. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, it is good to be with you once again today. I hope uh, uh, you guys have enjoyed uh, this, this past week. How many were able to make it out for Songs by the Fire? You can see, yeah, a lot of people. I um, hope you had a, a great evening. I think Cochran and Company was, did a great job that night. Um, I'll tell you, too, we had a chance to kind of chat uh, with them, the band, and they were just some of the, the coolest people. Like what you saw on stage is like how they were, uh, just very laid back. They loved Jesus and just very easygoing. Um, if you ever, if you're around bands enough or you deal with people enough, even Christian ones, um, sometimes, and this is what I told them actually at night, sometimes it's better to kind of like them from a distance. Um, if you actually get to talk to them, it's not that they're bad people and you don't know their situation, you know. I mean, I don't know what it's like to be on the road uh, for a long time on a concert, you know, kind of series. But, I'm, you know, maybe it was just a bad day. But we haven't always had the best interactions, you know, I'll just put it that way. But these guys were just great to work with. And, again, like I said, most importantly, they, they really just love Jesus and, and love uh, just giving him credit. And so we had a really good crowd, uh, a good-sized crowd, but also we had some very... Um, some, some of the business owners from downtown actually came out and were present there. And so it's just neat to see uh, kind of just some of that connection with our community around us and, and some of the people coming out. So I just want to say again a big thank you, as they've already said, to all those who volunteered and helped make that night possible. Um, and if you missed it, you know, this, this week we're actually doing, uh, it's going to be a night of worship. And so it'll be a great, another great evening. Um, it'll be a great time to gather together uh, just as a community. So I, I hope you can make it out, and hopefully the, the weather will cooperate once again. So how many um, think God's pretty awesome? It's not a trick question, so I hope you all raise your hands, okay? Uh, he is. He is awesome. And, you know, last week, it's, it's funny, um, after the service, uh, Linda Blankshane, I don't know if she's, I don't think she's in here right now. I see Alan. Okay, she's downstairs. Anyway, she came up to me, and this is just how, like, cool it is. So, you know, we had laid out the, the sermon series and everything, and I preached last week, if you recall, from what book? Thank you so much. I love all of you. I really do. Thank you. So you guys were listening. So we were from Nehemiah. We were preaching from Nehemiah. We were talking about uh, just the account there. And what was interesting, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 2, and it, it read this way. It says, So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women, and all who could understand what they heard, on the first day of the seventh month. Well, guess what last Sunday was? Yeah. It was Rosh Hashanah, right? 
And it is, in, in, the, in the, the, the Hebrew calendar, it is the first day of the seventh month. And none of you guys said that while I was preaching. What was going on? But it was just, afterwards, it was just so incredible because, again, I obviously was not on my radar. I did not plan that because I would have said something last Sunday and looked way more intelligent and cooler. Uh, but, yeah, it's just amazing that we actually hit that Sunday right on the money. And uh, so it was, it was pretty neat just to, to be tied in that way. And, again, Rosh Hashanah, that kind of, that was applied later, that term. That, but this was kind of the origins of, of where that came from. And so I thought that was a, a pretty neat connection and uh, pretty awesome how God works that way. Um, but again, we're going to be in this uh, uh, series still today uh, called Exiles, and we'll be in Nehemiah chapter 8 again today. And, uh, you know, after the exile, uh, as we talked about some last week, but we see the people, and, and you know, there's a genuine hunger by the people to, to worship God, to worship God fully and correctly. And, you know, I, I think I touched on this a little bit last week, and, you know, I just want to kind of just let us think. Again, this is a rhetorical question, but, you know, how many of us on our way to church today is like, man, I can't wait to get to church to worship the Lord, you know? You know, some people, you know, maybe, maybe that was you this morning, you know, and that's God bless you, and you probably don't have children, but, uh, you know, because... Again, it's just there's so much that happens in a morning, right? I mean, just it, you're just always on that line, and where it can just be derailed in a moment. And again, you know, we need to put ourselves in this mode of, you know, you don't have to wait till you walk through the door until the music starts to worship the Lord. How many know that? So, like, you know, I would encourage all of us today, myself included. I have to be reminded as well that you know, worshiping God it should happen all the time. <laughs> And, you know, when you wake up in the morning, I know some people, I mean, the first thing they do when they roll out of bed is they roll on, they fall onto their knees, you know, willfully. <laughs> some of us, you know, might not be, but, um, but they get on their knees because they want to acknowledge God at the very start of their day, you know. And I think that's incredible just because you can get caught up very quickly, right? It doesn't take usually a lot for your day to get moving. And so, you know, I want to encourage all of us here, when we come to church on a Sunday morning, when we come to gather together with the body of Christ, don't wait till you walk through that door to start turning your heart towards the Lord. You know, what are you listening to in, in the car on the way here? Or, you know, while you're getting ready in the morning, you know, just try to have a moment where you, you connect with God. You, you have that moment. So when you walk in, you're already soaring high. <laughs> and when that music starts, you're, you're ready to sing and you just keep going higher. Amen. And so, you know, I just I want to encourage that. And, and as we look at the, the people that had been in exile, and now they have come back and they have this opportunity to worship their God once again, freely and fully. And, you know, we saw the rebuilding of the temple um, wall and everything in Jerusalem and all of the things that we covered last week. And it had given them this opportunity to honor God's word in ways that really hadn't been able to be experienced for many, many years while they were in exile, Right. They were in this, this place, and they were, they were not able to fully uh, to worship God the way that they would like. And so here's this moment that, that they were given. And so we're going to pick back up in, in Nehemiah chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you're welcome to turn there. Um, it'll also be on the screens. And we're going to jump in at, at verse 9 today. And it says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has, any, who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so the Levites calmed all the people saying, be quiet for this, is, this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. Let's pray. Father God, we once again just acknowledge you and we acknowledge your word here present in this place. God, I pray just our hearts would be opened, uh, just that you would truly speak to us, Lord, for those watching online as well. God, just that you would truly uh, just have a word for us today, that we would be encouraged, that we would be challenged, and most importantly, that we would be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So again, we, we, you know, we see this, this portion of scripture and we see what's happening and, and we see a, kind of a lot going on here as, as the people have gathered together to hear the word of the Lord, much, you know, kind of like we're here today where you're hearing uh, the scripture being read. And, you know, it, it was is very similar uh, for this, this group of people. Um, and we see at the beginning here, Nehemiah and Ezra, they're identified in their roles. Nehemiah is the governor, Ezra is the priest. And, you know, as we follow up from last week, if you remember, the people were the ones that said, we want, we want the law read. We want to hear the, the, the law read, the law of Moses read to us. And, you know, and that's really something, and, you know, this kind of goes to what I just shared as well, like where our heart is or how we prepare ourselves in the morning. When we come, we want to hear the word of God. You know, we come, another way to say it is with expectancy, Right? And, you know, again, there's nothing wrong with coming here and looking forward to seeing somebody that you know or, you know, having a great cup of coffee in our, in our lobby or, or whatever. You know, it's, those things are fine, but at the forefront should be that we're coming again to hear the word of the Lord, to, 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 to turn our hearts to God and to let his word speak to us today. And so, you know, again, we always need to kind of come back because we can get so wrapped up so quickly. But the, the people here we see wanted this, and they were asking for this. And in verse 12, where it said, you know, because they had understood the words. Now, how many know there's a difference between hearing and understanding? <laughs> yep. Anybody ever, a lot of you are smiling at me. I don't know who you're thinking about, if they're sitting next to you. Or, you know, maybe it's somebody else. Maybe it's a, a, one of your children. Maybe it's at work, you know, where people, they will smile and they will nod at you. And then they go and do something completely opposite of what you had just thought you'd worked out, right? Why? Because they heard you, but they did not understand you. Amen? <laughs> Amen. We know, we understand that very well. And here, again, that is so critical because uh, the, the phrase, you know, all the people went their way to eat and drink and send portions and, and to, to make great rejoicing hinges on that word because they had understood the words that were declared to them. And so, again, we see this. They're able to celebrate because of this understanding of the words. You know, and whenever we come to the word of God, we should always be sure to grasp what is being said uh, before, again, maybe understanding what is being said. What, I, what do I mean? What I'm saying is that, you know, we can come to the word of God and in this, if you've been here for a minute, you know that we take time to unpack. We take time to understand things in context, right? Because we know, and I know none, nobody here has ever, you know, done the whole, like, open the Bible and the finger, like, Lord, speak to me. And again, you might want to make sure you're not in the Old Testament when you do that. It could turn out bad. But we want to be very careful. We want to handle the scripture well. And so understanding the context, understanding what's going on and, and, get, and grasping it, and then, then moving towards this fully kind of understanding and how we apply it to our lives, it's, it's, it's vital. It's almost like, you know, when anybody like puzzles here, doing like the old like puzzles, like on a table? What do you do with those things when you're done, by the way? I don't... Do you put them back in the box? I never could. Like, every time I finish one, it's just, it's all that work is there. You know, like, I want to, like, you know, you're trying to, like, slide it off onto something to a mat or something like that. And, but, but it's, it's really, how many, <laughs> here's, this might cause a reaction for some of you. How many have gotten to the end and you were missing one piece? Yeah? And, you know, there's something to that, something to be said of that. Or, or maybe you're missing multiple pieces. And what happens, you know, you're putting these pieces together and you're starting to see, okay, I see what's going on. But then you've got these holes, these missing kind of pieces, if you will, these, literally, these missing pieces that are these missing kind of, it's, the picture is not fully clear yet, right? And a lot of it is the same as, as when, we, when we approach Scripture and when we approach the Word of God, you know, we want to take our time and begin to put those pieces together. And we'd spend time and we let God speak to us through his word. We ask the Holy Spirit, show us what you're saying here. And he will, and that, that, that picture will become clear over time. And so it's important to, to take time to do that. Again, because the you know, biblical text, it needs to be applied to every generation. I mean, we're sitting here in this room today, in these chairs with electricity and, you know, I don't know if it's air conditioner, probably not air conditioned today, maybe heat or just nothing. But we have this setting, and it, how many would agree it looks very different from the scripture that we're reading today? 
You know, they were probably all standing outside, and they were in, in a very public place in a very different time, and then the setting was very different. And so we have to, there are, there are truths in the Word of God. There's truth there that can be applied to where we are today. But again, that's, it's always um, our job, or, and, and we have to be, do our due diligence to make sure we're applying it correctly. And so I want to share with you, again, three keys, if you will, to hearing when I say hearing, it's, it's, it's with understanding, kind of how they understand, to hearing the word of God, understanding the word of God. The first one is, is, is an open heart, okay? An open heart. Again, we're not talking about our physical heart, obviously. We're talking about, you know, our innermost being, being open. In Ephesians 1.18, it says, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. Again, there's, there's something about coming in, and when you come to the Word of God, I'm not just talking about here, but even when you sit down during the week with the Scripture, you know, we call it, we call it presuppositions, right, where we bring our own kind of thoughts, and we try to, and maybe you've seen this, where people will take kind of what they want the Scripture to say, and they sort of jam it up in there, rather than letting the, letting the Scripture speak for itself. Sorry, I'm wanting to go somewhere. I'm just not sure how much trouble I'll get into, but let's go there, Okay. Maybe this is you. Maybe you've been in this situation where you've been in a, a Bible study. And just again, I always say, just keep looking at me. If this is you, nobody will know that it's actually you that did this. But when you're sitting in a Bible study, maybe you sat in a Bible study and, and you go and, and you decide to go around the Bible study and, and maybe the leader or somebody says, okay, let's go around and take turns and say what this scripture means to you or speaks to you. That is, that is not good. Okay, can I just say that? And hopefully not hurt anybody's feelings. It's, it's not good. Why? Because the scripture says what it says. The truth of the scripture is the truth of the scripture. It's not like, you know, well, I felt like it meant this, and I feel it means this. Our job as good Bible students and, and studying the word of God is to understand what it actually means. And then, and this is where it is challenging, and this is the, the hard part, is how do we kind of take that out of that, understanding the context, understanding who it was said to, why it was said, when it was said. We pick that up, we bring it up to where we're at today, and now we drop it in, and what does that look like in our time now? And it's truth. It's, it's the truth, and how is it applied now? The truth hasn't changed, Right? Can I just say this too? Because I'm feeling a little preachy this morning. Regardless of what culture says and, our, and people around nowadays and say that the truth is changed or that all of this can't be trusted anymore, and this is the absolute truth, we're in church, so I'm going to say that's not good. <laughs> right, though? I mean, seriously. Truth is the truth. This, this, the scripture has stood... Over, you know, many, 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 many decades, centuries. And it's still true today. And our job is to discover how do we apply it today. And so I want to encourage you, and hopefully it's not any life groups in this church, but if you've ever in, in, in a Bible study where that's, you know, people are just sharing all these weird different things. Like, no, let's stop, guys. Let's stop and let's find out what the truth is. And we do that through having an open heart where we just say, you know what? It may hurt my feelings today, but God, speak to me through your word. And if I need to change, I know that it's me that needs to change and not this word that's written here in this word, in the scriptures. Amen? And it's not easy. Let me, let me be clear. It's, it, I'm with you. <laughs> there are times, especially, you know, when I study the word or when I'm preparing for a sermon and God beats me. I, I get beat up all through the week and then I drag myself up to here to share what, what God's shown me so that you can get beat up as well. But I've already gone through the ringer, if it makes you feel better. <laughs> so we need to have open hearts, and we need to let the Word of God speak to us today. Number two is an open mind. An open mind. First Peter 1.13, it says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, I used to have this quote on the back of one of my iPads. G.K. Chesterton once said, um, do not be so open-minded that your brains fall out. That'll preach today, won't it? Right? <laughs> you can just nod. You don't have to say amen. Just nod. Right? Because be, I'm not saying, that's not what I'm saying by being open-minded. What I'm saying is that, again, as, as we shared here from First Peter, it's, it's that our minds need to be in the right place to be open to receive what God has. 
You know, it starts here in our spirit, in our man, our spirit man, in our heart, but it also needs to move to our mind, right? Our mind is what can mislead us. Our mind, we can, our thoughts, right? I mean, if, imagine if you had a screen right now and all your thoughts that you're thinking at this moment were showing for everybody, right? <laughs> so again, we, we need to have our minds in the right place. And doesn't mean so where we accept everything and everything is, you know, like what the world is trying to sell us. I'm not saying that, but we do need to be open to what the Word of God would have to speak to us and our minds, how that may need to change. So our heart, our mind, and finally, <laughs> this one's kind of way, seems way less spiritual in one sense, but it's not, is it's an open schedule. An open schedule. Matthew 14, 23, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up, and this is Jesus, on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. I think, you know, we, we heard all these things about, you know, when we got all these cool devices, right? Our phones, our smart watches, our smart appliances, our smart lights and our smart homes and our smart door locks and whatever other smart cars, smart things. But, you know, they were all supposed to make our life easier. And I don't know about you, <laughs> but I feel like I'm more run ragged now than I ever remember when I was, you know, I mean, I'm... I'm old enough to remember back when, you know, I used to have to get up to turn the TV channel, right, and, and our, on our three or four stations that we had, and um, just life was simpler, right? We had just more time. And when we, again, when we're coming to the Word of God, when we're wanting to hear God's Word speak to us, we have to make time in our schedule. We have to have this open schedule. Some, and, and sometimes, you know, and it's been told to me, and I, sometimes I do it well, sometimes I don't do it so well, but you almost need to schedule your opening in your schedule, right? Right? Because if you don't, it's just easy. It's easy. You want to hit the ground running in the morning. You got stuff to do. I mean, and your mind starts going. And so, again, we, we want to make space. Just as we saw Jesus. I, mean, I love that picture of Jesus because he would spend hours and hours and hours ministering to people. He was exhausted, exhausted, and yet he would still, again, after he did dismiss the crowds, he went up onto the mountain by himself to pray. Why? Because that's where he was refilled. That's where he was replenished, and he needed that. Even though he was just so tired, he needed to be with his heavenly Father. And so I want to encourage all of us today, again, our open hearts, our open minds, and our open schedules to make sure that that takes place so that the Word of God does and can and will speak to us. Now, there's something kind of interesting going on here in this passage. I don't know if you caught it, but if you didn't, that's fine because we're about to go there and talk about it. But it said that this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. And then the very next sentence, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. I hear too, I'm glad you guys thought it was funny because I thought it was funny too. It was just, I'm like, I don't know if you do this. I, you know, we can easily just read through this and we just don't stop. Like, I mean, if we stop to think about that, it kind of is confusing, right? It's a little like, what's going on there? And, you know, why, my, you know why, the question is, why are the people not allowed to, allowed to respond the way they did to the word of God? I mean, isn't everything always about responding to the word of God? Doesn't sometimes, you know, when we go to the scripture and we read, and especially if you've had a real, real time with God, you know, shouldn't you weep and cry? It's a little tongue-in-cheek there. I'm just, but, you know, that's, it's usually the sign that, that the word of God spoke to us, right? That there's something happened on a deeper level. And so here we have the people responding, but they're being told not to. <laughs> and I think the answer to this question can be found in another question, and this is it. The question is, where is the focus of their worship being placed? And, and let me just kind of spin that a little bit now. Today, where is the focus of our worship being placed? Ourselves? Or is it on the Lord? Now, maybe about half of you might be with me still. Ourselves? Or the Lord. Because here's, here's the truth of it, and I'm going to step on a few toes here, but, but the truth of it is all of us can really very easily default to being selfish, can't we? 
I don't, I don't know a person, I haven't met a person, even the really nice people that are really kind, but if we're given that opportunity or if we're not careful, there are just times where you just like, I'm taking this one for me today, you know? I deserve it, <laughs> right? And we can default almost to this, this selfish mode very quickly. And, you know, again, it, can, it, it just amazes me how, how hard we try. And even, you know, we do really well for a long time, but it just how it's always kind of lingering there where we can, again, go back and we can put ourselves at the center of everything. I've, um, I've spoken about this before. I heard it one time, but I love it so much, so I'm going to share it with you again. Hopefully you've forgotten, and it'll seem like it's the first time you're hearing it. Um, but there's two types of theology. Maybe, again, you might remember this, the dog theology and cat theology. Right? Some of you are like, I don't know where you're going with this. I'll, I'll land the plane here in just a second. So let me start with cat theology. How many cat people do we have? All right. How many dog people do we have? Oh, yeah, see? I love dogs, too. We have cats as well. And I think I've shared this before, too. In, in Kuwait, dogs are not cool over there. They're, like, they, they're viewed as dirty. And so this kind of analogy does not go over well there. And I, I crashed and burned pretty bad. In the, you know, I was like, hey, you guys get it? And like, one person liked the dog and the whole crowd. But here's the deal. Cat theology. What do cats do, right? When cats, you know, you have a cat, and cats, they come around you. They're very independent, typically, right? And they could kind of almost like, a lot of times, not all cats, but most cats could really care less about you. You know, they come around, and they kind of like walk by you, like, look at me. You want to pet me, I know. And you go to reach for them, they kind of like step out of there, right? It's true, right? Most cats are like that, and, and you know, they're like, why? Because they, are, they think that they are so awesome and incredible that they are a gift to you and to your home, and you, know, you should just be worshiping the ground that they walk on because they're just so amazing, right? And you love them so much because they are so lovable, right? And they're just so awesome. Cat theology, right? That God will love us because he loves me because I'm, I'm a pretty great person. And he should like me and love me and look at me. You know, I'm, I'm wonderful. That's cat theology, right? And it's, for the ones that are saying, like, well, I don't ever do that, it probably applies to you the most, right? Because, again, we may not realize it, but sometimes we're like, well, I've done this, this, and this, so God, you owe me this, right? Okay. Dog theology, right? This is why dogs are cool. Again, I have two dogs and two cats. So you can just picture how that works out in my home. But, um, but dogs are cool because why? Dogs, man, you walk in the house, especially we have a, a boxer, Tiberius, you know, and he's about 70-some pounds, and he's just full at you. And if he doesn't know that word off, you know, he just wants to literally jump and, like, give you a hug and love you so much, you know, and, and honestly, is again, as hard as it is sometimes with a dog that size, but it makes you feel good, right? That's why dogs, man's best friend, as they say, you know, it's because they just come around. They just want to be around you, right? Why do they want to be around you? Because they think you are the greatest person on the planet. And it makes you feel good, doesn't it? But they have this picture of you as just like, you're amazing. You know, you feed me, you, you love me, you clean up my messes. This is the theology that we should have <laughs> when it comes to God, right? God, you feed me, you love me, you clean up my messes. And it's all because you're so amazing and because you're great. And it's not because I'm so wonderful that's because you're so gracious and loving. That's dog theology. And, you know, when we see this here and what we see happening, and what I think that was trying to be brought across here through the scriptures is, is this day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep. Translated, in, at least in my, what I think it's saying and what I've kind of gathered, is don't make this, today, don't make this day about yourself today. You make this day about the Lord today. 
And when you have this image and you have this picture of who God is and what God's done and how he's brought us out and, and it's, he's set us free, then our, our natural response is to worship and to rejoice and to sing with joy. And when we come in this service and we come in today, and again, you know, I'm telling you, I, I get it. I get it. I get it. And I, I walk through that same door sometimes. And I'm dragging, my wagon's dragging coming in here as well. All right? But I want to challenge us that are we coming in and are we worshiping the Lord? Are we lifting our voices? Are we, are we focusing on God in such a way that, God, you are awesome and you are worthy to be praised? And we want to take this time, this small amount of time, as, as long as, you know, sometimes our services may feel to you, this small amount of time out of our week just to gather together corporately and to lift your name and to acknowledge that you are God. And that's, that's, that's what I want to challenge all of us today. And, and even those watching online, you, know, you also can today choose to lift God and to raise your voice and to worship the Lord. And what, what would it feel like or what would it be like, right, if you all are like elbowing each other, like trying to get in the door and you know, you're pushing people out of the way and you're trying to get in here and you're trying to get down front. Thanks for sitting down here this morning. It's great to see you. <laughs> this is the best kept secret up here. We're actually putting some like luxury recliners in the front. We're gonna get you all, we're gonna get you moving forward here one of these days. But, but yeah, like let me, I wanna get right down front. I, you know, I wanna, I wanna worship God today. I, I don't want any distractions because I'm here to worship the Lord. What would it look like? I'll leave you with that question. But we definitely need to remember how awesome God is. And as we get that into focus, I believe our, our worship and our praise will follow. Let's read on a little further in Nehemiah chapter 8. We'll jump back in. In verse 13, it says, On the second day, the heads of fathers' houses of all the people with the priests and Levites came together to Ezra the scribe in order to study the words of the Lord, or the, sorry, the law. And they found it written in the law that the Lord had commanded by Moses that the people of Israel should dwell in booths during the feasts of the seventh month and that they should proclaim it and publish it in all their towns and in Jerusalem. Go out to the hills and bring branches of olive, wild olive, uh, myr myr myrtle, sorry, palm, and other leafy trees to make booths as it is written. And so people went out and brought them and made booths for themselves, each on his roof and in their courts and in the courts of the house of God and in the square at the water gate and in the square of the gate of Ephraim. And all the assembly of those who had returned from the captivity made booths and lived in the booths. For from the days of Jeshua, the son of Nun, to that day the people of Israel had not done so. And there was very great rejoicing and day by day, from the first day to the last day, he read from the book of the law of God. And they kept the feast seven days. And on the eighth day, there was a solemn assembly according to the rule. Again, so they got to the part. There are times that we should be solemn. <laughs> and there was a time for that. And so they did get to that at the end. But, you know, what they're, what they're talking about here, you know, there were, there were three major uh, Jewish uh, feasts or festivals. Uh, the, it was Passover. Uh, the, the Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. And it's talking about the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths here. And, you know, it, what, it was, what it would typically do or what it, the idea behind it was, was it was to remind them of, again, when their generation was passing through the wilderness where they were moving, you know, about through the wilderness and they didn't have these solid structures. And so, you know, there's this, we, we, we have it today as well. You know, when we talk about maybe like communion here in a little bit, we're going to be, uh, again, doing that together, partaking of that together. Um, but like communion or baptism, again, we can understand or we know these experiences maybe, uh, maybe here. But if we've not actually gone through them ourselves or, or done them ourselves, you know, it can kind of be something just sort of foreign to us, if you will. And we maybe have watched from the outside. And so remember, you know, this a lot of these, these people here had been in captivity where they were not allowed to do these things. And so there was a generation, really, that, that didn't have a clue what this was. I mean, they, they, they had a clue what it was in the sense of, you know, maybe they heard about it, but not actually participating in it. And so they're really trying to bring these things back at this point. 
And so, again, while this festival, uh, it had already been designated as one of the three major, you know, festivals for, for the Jewish people, you know, there had been nothing uh, said really in that about, you know, where he said to bring in branches and to begin building these booths. And most likely, he was probably, because of the state of Jerusalem and, and everything else going on, was telling these people to do this because they needed somewhere to stay if, if they were there and didn't have an actual permanent place there. And so, you know, he's doing this. But again, the exiles were being welcomed once again into this plan, uh, into this grand plan, if you will, that God had set out and laid out for their ancestors. And it was affirming, and this is the most important part, and what we can take away from this, is it was affirming the fact that God's promises were still true for them. You know, they had been in a, a season of exile. They had been in a season where, you know, things weren't happening. They were like, you know, what's going on? God, where are you, you know? But it didn't mean that he wasn't around, that he wasn't there, and that he still wasn't going to accomplish what he had promised. And some of us here need to be reminded that, that, again, if God has promised something, if God has said something, that it will come full circle in his timing, right? And sometimes that's the hard part. How many know that sometimes our timing is not God's timing, right? And sometimes we're like, if we kind of think, we may not say it out loud, but if, you know, if I were in charge, <laughs> God, if you want my advice on this, But that's where we, again, we have to come back to that place of surrendering ourselves to God, to his plan, to what he's doing, and to be vessels for him to use for his glory and to further his kingdom. And it's hard sometimes. It's hard. And if it hasn't been hard sometimes, then you may want to go back to the drawing board and check that out again because I feel like that's just part of it. Why? Because that's how we grow, right? That's how we grow in our walk. That's how we grow in our faith. That's how we begin to trust God. And, and at the end of it all, you know, the whole thing is that when people see uh, something, you know, you kind of come through something or you've gone through this difficult season or this trial and you come out the other side, a lot of times it's going to be, they're going to see that there's no way that you could have done that or you could be, you know, in this place emotionally, spiritually, mentally, if, if something else wasn't involved here or someone else. You know, there are people within our congregation uh, facing, you know, not the best health news. And if you don't know who those people are, do you know why? It's because the way that they're walking it out. They don't walk through that door, you know, with their face dragging on the ground and sad and everything else. And again, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. You know, I mean, there's sometimes we're in pain. Sometimes we're physically in pain. I don't want to take away from any of that. But what I'm saying, though, is it's, you know, I've heard, I heard it said once. I think it was, I think it was John Piper, but um, he, he said this once. He said, you know, when you're going through things like that, he said this. He said, don't waste your pain. And that has always stuck with me, that phrase. If you're in pain about anything, I mean, it could be physical, you know, whether it's a physical body ailment, or it could be emotional, it could be just where you're at in a relationship, whatever. If you're in pain, don't waste that pain, all right? Meaning you're there anyway. <laughs> so why not say, Lord, I surrender. Teach me through this time. Help me to become more like you. Did Jesus experience pain? probably more than any of us would ever, ever know in a lifetime. But the way that he walked through that, you know, even the picture up to the point where he's hanging on the cross, you know, forgiving, asking his father to forgive the people that literally put him there. How you walk through trials, how you walk through suffering is critical to what it's going to look like on the other side. Because God is oftentimes working in that situation, right? He's using that situation to try to bring about something in, in us. <laughs> I'm just going to keep going. Here's the deal. When we are, when we are, where, where do you, let me ask, I like to ask questions. I'll just leave, leave you with questions. Where do we grow the most, on the mountaintop or in the valley? 
in the valley, right? I, I wish it wasn't like that, don't you? Like, I wish I could get it when things are going well. I wish I could just keep doing the right thing and keep getting it. But it, we're just not wired like that, are we? We kind of start laying back a little bit. Kind of like, well, okay, it's been a couple days since I maybe spent some time with, with God. I haven't been to church in a month and a half. But man, when all hell breaks loose and the fire's going, you know, you're standing at the door like, hey, staff, who's, who's opening the door here, you know? You're like waiting to get in. And, you know, you can't wait to get up. You're, you know, you're in, your word, in the Bible, you know, multiple times a day. Why? Because you're in the valley. You're in the fire, if you will. And so, again, we have to just uh, be reminded that, that God uses those times of struggle, those times of trial, again, to shape us, to mold us. And most of the time, when you talk to people going through those difficult situations, they say, I, I've sensed God closer than, than almost any other time in my life, any other season. Because he is. He says he draws, close to the, draws near to the brokenhearted. And so when you're in those moments, you can trust that you can call out to the Lord. You know, so as we kind of wind this down today, and, and we're going to enter into a time of communion here in a, in a few moments, but, you know, the title of today's sermon, if there is one, it was, is, is the reason to worship, right? And church, I'm here to stand before you today. I'm here to tell you today that we have so much reason to worship the Lord today. Even if all, everything is on fire around you right now in your world, you have reason to worship the Lord. Just ask three, three guys in the Old Testament, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, about being in the fire, <laughs> And you know the beauty of that story? I mean, we all know that, you know, when they were thrown in, that the Lord, you know, showed up in there with them, right? But why didn't he show up before? Why didn't he show up just right before they went in the furnace, you know? But I think that picture is so accurate of, of how it works for us. That it's, it's when we, we're in the fire that we see the Lord the clearest and we feel him the closest because he's there with us. He's going through it with us. We didn't get to avoid it. <laughs> Many of us would like to go around it and not experience that. But it's in that very thing that you might be trying to miss or dodge. You know, I've said it before, our culture, we just, we just want to alleviate the discomfort so quickly rather than saying, God, where are you in this moment? And there he is. You know, he'll show up. And so, you know, again, this is why we have reason to worship. And I want to encourage you today, even if it's all crashing in around you, you have reason to worship. You know, we jokingly say sometimes, you know, fake it till you make it. <laughs> sometimes you just need to put your hands up and you just need to worship God, even with tears coming down your face, even when you don't know what the outcome's gonna be. God's waiting for you to step that step of faith. That's why it's called faith. Lean into him, stick that step, and he'll meet you in that moment. It doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to come out of that time and everything's better, but our perspective changes, doesn't it? Things change when you know that God is with you, when he's present with you. It's like, all right, Lord. <laughs> our Savior went to a cross after he was beaten within an inch of death, you know? He didn't get to dodge all that. Sometimes we have to go through the fire. But I tell you this, that if you read the word of God, you're gonna see that it's always worth it. It's always worth it if God's in the, in the equation. Again, we should recognize today, church, that God has called us out of exile into community. And this is, this is the beauty of it as well, right? You're not alone. Not only is the Lord with you, but look around this room. You have brothers and sisters in Christ sitting around you today that can walk with you. You know, we're not made to do this life alone. And this community, and we are, you know, as a church, as a, as a church body and a community, we are going to continue to be centered around the word of God. We will always do our best to, to engage culture where it is, as messy as that is, but we will never place culture at the center of, of our church. The Bible, the word of God, Jesus Christ will always be the center of this church. Because that's the only way that we're going to effectively engage any cultural challenges. Amen.
Let me just read this last thing I had written here. If, if, if we truly want to see revival in our lives, in our churches, in our nation, we must begin by assembling together around God's word and we must affirm the authority of his word over every aspect of our lives. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's hard. It's probably the hardest sometimes with ourselves, right? But that's what God is, requires. It's, it's not a request, it's a requirement that, that we are to give him place. If we call him Lord, you know, again, easy to call him Savior, you know? <laughs> When you're hanging by a thread and you need to be saved and he reaches down and he pulls you up from where we were. Thank you for saving me. But to call him Lord over all your life and every single aspect, every single thing, that's the hard part because that requires surrender on our part. And so we need to keep that in perspective. We need to keep working at that and, and keep turning those things over to God and let him be Lord of our lives. We're gonna go ahead and transition now into uh, a time of communion. Um, if you're with us here today, if it's your first time or you're new to the church, if you're not, we don't require a membership to the church. We just ask that you would um, profess that you, would, that you are a follower of Christ, um, that you've acknowledged him as Lord and Savior of your life, um, and you're welcome to the, to the communion table. Um, at this time, there's a few of our ushers moving through the room. If you haven't received, uh, the elements yet, I would invite you to, to raise your hands and they will get you those. As we um, approach the Lord's table here today, you know, the scripture reminds us that, that we, it says we're supposed to examine our hearts, examine ourselves. Again, you know, we're sitting in a kind of a, a, a casual room, if you will, and you know, um, it's easy to sort of approach this, just kind of like, hey, this is just one of those things. A lot like what we talked about today. But you know, I would encourage you to really pause, and we're gonna, um, just spend a few moments here this morning just to search our hearts and to ask the Lord to show us just any area. And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of, of what we're about to do. That's the beauty of the cross is that there's, there's forgiveness. Christ shed his blood for you and for me and for our sin. And so it's just a matter of, you know, confessing that and he'll take that. And so why don't we just take a moment and then I'm going to invite you uh, to pray the Lord's Prayer with me as well as we approach communion. So let's just take a moment and then we'll, we'll jump in there together. So let's bow our heads. kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. On the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, for as often 
as you eat this bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Would you stand? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord, to, again, um, just come to the Lord's table. God, we ask you to forgive us where we take for granted, Lord, um, your body that was broken and bruised and beaten. Your blood, Lord, that was shed for our sin. Again, Lord, we need to recognize that it really should have been us on that cross. But God, again, you, you sent your son to step into our place and to bear the weight of our sin and our punishment. For that, we are eternally grateful and thankful. And God, I pray just that all of us today would be challenged just to look at the way we approach you, the way we approach, Lord, uh, just your throne room. Again, while we're given access through the blood of Christ and there's freedom in that and and there's joy, really, but also, Lord, uh, we need to remember that we have just so much to be thankful for in you and just the fact that we have been accepted, Lord, into your family. But let us never forget the high price that it cost for that to be possible. God, I pray for each and every person here this morning, each person watching online this morning that are facing probably difficult situations. I know there are many in this room. But God, let us never again elevate those challenges or make those things appear much greater than who you are as God overall. Again, Lord, it's when we have this great and large picture of who you are, even though it falls short, but when we have this picture of who you are and clarity, that our problems become much smaller. God, we serve an amazing, mighty, powerful God. And we are grateful, Lord, that while you are uh, Lord over all, that you are also, Lord, right with us. You're, you're close to us. Closer than a brother, Lord, as your word says. And so, God, we thank you for that. And so, God, I pray for each person here that today they have been encouraged, that they have been challenged, Lord. And that they have, again, have this renewed sense of worship, Lord, to you. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity and for this time today. In Jesus' name.